was always kind of taught to dream big and think like a leader. How can we hack the system? We are producers to its core. We're makers. That was that moment where I was like, yes, like this was a big one to put us on the map. Creativity is messy. Perfect is boring. That to me is good creative. That to me is success. You can see talent in people. We want to go create the next best brand in the world. This is who we are and this is what we do. This is Creatives Off Script. Welcome to the Creatives Off Script podcast. My name is Nate Watkin and I am your host. Today we have an extraordinary guest joining us. Margaret Johnson is the Chief Creative Officer of Advertising Titan, Goodby Silverstein and Partners. She's been recognized as top in her craft by Forbes, Business Insider, Adweek and The Drum. She has been appointed President of the Cannes Film Jury, won trophies at every major show and has led Goodby through their most award-winning and creatively diverse period in time. Welcome to our podcast, Margaret. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. So I always like to start at the beginning and just understand a bit about your journey. So would love to hear, tell me how it all began and what was your first job in advertising? Well, it all began, I went to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and I went through the journalism school and inside the journalism school, there was an advertising sequence and the summer before my senior year. I decided to go to New York, take a summer school class in graphic design at Parsons School of Design because the majority of what I'd been learning in the journalism school was newspaper writing. So I decided I wanted to explore the other side. I took this class and I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. I'm supposed to be over here on the visual side. And so that was kind of when the light bulb went off. And a funny thing happened, actually, the day that I was leaving New York, I, and this is back in the day of phone booths and yellow pages. I went into a phone booth. I ripped out the advertising section of the phone book, the yellow pages, and took it back to Chapel Hill with me and put it away for a while. And then when I was graduating from Carolina, I pulled it back out because I realized that if I wanted to get a job in advertising, I was going to need to put a portfolio together. And that's not something that was really a focus at Chapel Hill. And so I cold called like 50 different advertising agencies in New York City and just asked to speak to anyone in the creative department and um, and asked them if they were going to you know hire a kid out of school, what school were they hiring them from, and how are they putting these portfolios together. So the majority of the people that I spoke with named a little school in Atlanta called the Portfolio Center, and that's where I ended up. So went there for a couple of years, put together a portfolio. And got my very first job at a little shop called Leonard Monahan Lubars and Kelly, which is in Providence, Rhode Island. And David Lubars was one of the founders of that company. You know, he's at BBDO now in New York. But at the time, he had a shop. So I worked there for a little bit. And then the guy that I worked for was a guy named Jeremy Poster. He was an idol of mine because he, you know, at the time there were all of these award show books and I would, you know, page through these books. And this guy, Jeremy Poster was one that I followed. I, I loved the way his art direction looked and kind of, we'll say loosely patterned my own book after his. And so he gave me my first job at Leonard Monaghan, Lubars and Kelly. He left and went to Goodby Silverstein and Partners, where I work now. I left Leonard Monaghan and went to the Richards group for, for a brief stunt for about 
two years. And then the guy that I worked for there, he also left and his name was Grant Richards. And he also moved to California and started working at Goodby's Overseen. And so then one day they called me and said, you should come here too. So I did. And that's how I landed here in San Francisco. Amazing. And when you first started at Leonard Monaghan, what were your ambitions at that point? I assume you're early 20-something. What did you think that your career in the advertising industry was going to be? Gosh, at the time, I was just, I couldn't even believe that I was working for this guy that I had admired for so long. So I think I was just kind of a sponge at that point, just soaking everything in that, that I could possibly learn from him. And so over the 20 years plus at Goodby, you've risen first to the executive creative director and partner, and then eventually you were named the chief creative officer. Can you tell me a little bit about that transition and what changed? You know, I think I'd been in the, the ECD role for so long, the transition didn't feel like such a big leap. I think I also had the benefit of working at the agency for you know, over 20 years at that point. So it felt like a pretty natural transition. I think the thing that I've had to get the most used to is not being, you know, the day-to-day person making, you know, the, whatever the ad is, the commercial or the, you know, online experience or, or what. So I was such a doer and a maker for so long and I, and I still do a lot of that stuff, but I, you know, it's taken a little getting used to, to be the one, you know, really guiding others and doing, you know, more face-to-face client kind of things. I can imagine there's probably the urge sometimes to just jump in and get your hands dirty and start creating again. Oh yeah. And we, I still do, but you know, I have to pick and choose. (laughs) Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about your relationship with the founders, Rich and Jeff, and how they've mentored you throughout your career. I'm, I'm curious, at the beginning, when you first started at Goodby Silverstein, were you working closely with them, or was that something that you grew into over time? Well, when I started, we were so small. So yes, I was working directly with them from the very beginning. And it's been awesome. I don't know if you've seen it, but they have a, a masterclass that's just been released. And... I was telling someone recently, it's like I've been living the masterclass for 20 some years. (laughs) So it's been quite a ride. But I would say, you know, we're all we're like minded. That's why we get along. We really value creativity and craftsmanship and want to be proud of of everything that, that leaves our building. And so I think that's that's why it works. And how big was the agency when you first started? Oh, my gosh maybe 60 people or something. Yeah. Now you're 400 plus, I believe now. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere around there. That's incredible. And so tell me what exactly does a chief creative officer do? What does your day-to-day look like? You know, day-to-day I meet with creatives and look at work by, usually by, you know, by clients. So I'll get I have like standing meetings with creative directors where I look at everything that's happening on, you know, Comcast or One Medical or Pepsi or Frito-Lay. So we kind of look at things in, you know, in like a a broad view, but then, you know, obviously things kind of bubble up and are are hot at, at certain times. The Super Bowl is a good example, you know, from... I'd say October through February, we're, we're looking at Super Bowl a lot. So, you know, some things get a, a little more attention at certain times of year. But I do a lot of meetings with creatives and, and just looking at work. And then I do a lot of client calls and helping creatives sell work through. And a lot of new business pitches, too. 
So correct me if I'm wrong, but you essentially get to look at creative pitches all day from your team, and then you help filter and present to the client. Is that correct? That's, that's right. That's right. It's kind of an interesting position to be in because you're not kind of beaten down by the day-to-day and you come in with a fresh perspective. You know, you don't know all of the why you can't do something. You can just see what could make it better. That's got to be a really exciting role, I'm sure. No day is the same. <laughs> Always new creative to look at. Yeah, it is. It's great. So how would you describe Goodby Silverstein's approach to advertising? You know, I think our approach has always been based on a human truth. I think we talk a lot about like why Seinfeld was successful for so long. And it's because every episode was so relatable. You're like, oh my gosh, that's my life. (laughs) That's exactly (laughs) right. So we try to do that with advertising. You know, we try to make sure that, that everything we do has that human truth because that's what makes any piece of creative work relevant and relatable to people and kind of pulls that emotion out of people. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And speaking of truth, in the past, you've talked about brand truth and specifically, you know, the trend of programmatic and data-driven advertising. Can you tell me a little bit about your approach to brand truth versus data-driven advertising? Well, I think data is amazing for lots of things. It can help guide you to a great idea. I think where people get in trouble is when then they let that dictate all the work from that point forward, because what it doesn't give you is the ability to to move forward or to break new ground. It kind of helps you make that one thing better and better and better. So I like to to depend on it to help us get to great ideas, but I don't like to depend on it because on the on the back end as much because you know we like to do new things. We like to try try new things. We talk about firsts a lot. Like we want to, we want to break new ground and sometimes data can get in the way of that. Goodby seems, it seems like you have such an amazing culture there. Can you tell me a little bit more about the bucket list? Oh, the bucket list. The bucket list was born out of a challenge that I just threw out to the, to the creative directors and said, Hey, you know what? I feel like we need some, some things to like boost morale around here everybody come up with an idea. And one of our creative directors, Will Elliott, he's been at the agency for a long time, came back with this idea called the bucket list. And it has taken off like you wouldn't believe. Like when when we announced that you know, the bucket list is going to be a part of the agency meeting, people start going crazy. <laughs> Will comes out, he's got this crazy like rock music that plays. There are, you know, We've animated all these explosions. There's a big animation sequence that really kind of builds the excitement. He comes out, he unveils this giant wheel and each kind of sliver on the wheel, it's kind of like Wheel of Fortune, has a a challenge on the wheel and he reaches down into a bucket and if uh, you can volunteer to be a part of this or or, or just be a, an observer, but if you volunteered, your name is in the bucket He reaches in and he pulls a name out. They come forward and then they spin the wheel and whatever challenge the wheel, you know, lands on that person has to do it. So a good example is, you know, maybe the the wheel lands on, you know, 24 hours in Helsinki and you're leaving right then you go home, you pack your bag, you get on a plane 
This is before coronavirus, obviously. And you go to Helsinki with a camera crew. You do 24 hours, experience the culture, and come back. And then at the next agency meeting, we show the video of, of what you did. So it's really fun. And nine out of 10 times, it's someone who, you know, you would couldn't even imagine ever like doing that challenge. And that's what really makes it fun. Yeah. It sounds thrilling and terrifying at the oh same time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it, I mean, when it, when the, the name comes out, everyone's like holding their breath, like, oh my gosh, please, please don't let it be me. <laughs> and have you ever been a contender on the bucket list yourself? My name's in the bucket, but it hasn't been pulled. Yeah. I, I read that some of the uh, challenges or whatever you would call them are like giving a stand-up comedy routine at a major stand-up club. Totally. And it's always like, yeah, some like really quiet person from accounting that like, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, how are they going to do it, do this? And then they do and they're amazing. And it's, it's just really fun to watch. Yeah. That's a uh, incredible piece of culture right there. Yeah. I love that. Really fun. Up next, we'll talk to Margaret about why perfection is boring and what is the brand of Margaret. But first, we wanted to take a moment to tell you about Assemble, the industry-leading project management platform designed for producers. Assemble gives your team an end-to-end -end project management solution featuring calendars, task lists, and industry-specific features such as casting, location management, call sheets, advanced post-production review, and more. And of course, this platform has been designed from the ground up by producers for producers. Assemble is being used by industry-leading production companies, agencies, and brands to help them streamline their content production. If you're currently paying for a multitude of different tools and you just want one project management solution that can fulfill all of your workflow needs, try Assemble today. Our listeners get a special discount of 20% off for their first year. Just enter the code OFFSCRIPT, that's one word, at checkout. Learn more at assemble.tv slash project dash management. That's assemble.tv slash project dash management. You are listening to the Creatives Off Script podcast. So tell me about a campaign that was really exciting to work on recently. Well, we've got we've got a, a part of the agency called Labs. It's our in-house innovation team, and they helped us create a, an AR app this year called Her Story, Lessons in Her Story. And it was kind of inspired by the, one of our strategists actually came up, came to me with this fact and said, Hey, you've got a daughter who is, you know, in elementary school. Did you know that only 11% of the stories that she's reading about in her history book are about women? Only 11%. So I took that and went up to our innovation lab and I was like, what could we do to fix this? Like, is there some sort of easy tech solution because it like changing an actual history book like changing curriculum i mean if you look in the front of those books they're like on their most of them are on their like 25th edition of the same book so <laughs> that was going to be a, a steep hill to climb so how can we hack the system and 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 you know change what our kids are learning about and we came up with this really simple ar app it's an overlay so if you hover over any image of a man in, in these history books, then it will serve up an equally compelling story of something that a woman did at that same time. So it's very simple to use. It's like we made it in-house and it's, it's beautifully done and super simple. That's amazing. That's such a great campaign. Oh, thank you. So you're a mother and I'm a mother. you yes. mentioned in the past that 
following the birth of your first baby, you came back to advertising and the entire landscape of advertising changed. Can you walk me through that and talk about also how you adapted to that change? Well, it's funny because I like left and then it was literally like I came back and the whole landscape had changed. Like everything had suddenly become more digital and it was, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a, this is a whole, a whole new world. And I just kind of just jumped in. I mean, you've never seen anyone become so interested in (laughs) digital so quickly because I could see that. And I, and I had the benefit of, you know, being on maternity leave and being gone for, for six months. I was like, wow, this is changing and it's changing really fast. And if you don't get on board, then you're going to be left behind. So that was that. I'd also say that an interesting thing that happened to me, like being out on maternity leave, I was leapfrogged at the time by, you know, some of my male peers because I was out for, you know, six months. Um, And that kind of stuff tends to happen, but came back, really changed the way that I was working and and all the big promotions and big successes that that I've had in my career have happened since having kids. Hmm. So I kind of attribute that to having, you know, a, a, a different perspective, having been out and come back and, and seen what was happening and, and really moving on it. And what do you think that change is? Like, what would you attribute that gave you that next level in your career from having your children? Oh, uh, I think like it was kind of selfish, actually. It was more like <laughs> I could, I didn't want to spend any extra hours at work that I didn't have to because time spent at work meant that I was taking time away from spending with my own kids. So it made me much more efficient with my time. And I think it just stopped any like second guessing that I, you know, ever had about, you know, my creative instincts. And uh, yeah, just made me better. Yeah. And it paid off. I think you came back from that first maternity leave and right out of the gate, you won a few prestigious awards for digital campaigns. So it seems like you transitioned to interactive and digital fairly well. Yeah. I think like the first campaign I did after, you know, having a baby was one that I did for haagen called HD Loves HB. So haagen Loves Honeybees. And yeah, that was one of the first real 360 campaigns that that I remember. And uh, we had a ton of fun and success with that one. And yeah, it was the first thing that I had really done that, that, that worked 360. So it was, it was a really cool, cool thing. Our client at haagen ended up representing the bees in front of Hillary Clinton when she was in office. And so that was, that was pretty cool. And you said that perfection is boring. What's your relationship with failure? Gosh, I feel like well, every creative is just, that's your life. It's just one failure after another, <laughs> but we always say fail forward, right? So try to learn from, from what it is that caused that failure and, and use it to, to, uh, to help you, you know, move forward. I don't know. Perfect is boring. You know, whoever like won, won an award for coloring inside the lines in school. Like you want hmm. things that are creativity is messy, you know, that's just the way it is. And, uh, and that's what makes it interesting and spectacular and great. Yeah. Yeah. That's great insight. How do you find and nurture creative talent? You know, I think you have to, I always say lift as you rise, right? So you got to bring other people along with you because 
ultimately like that kind of mentoring, you can see talent in people. You have to just bring them with you and, and make sure that you help them along the way. Another thing that, that I always do is, is really encourage people to, to do things outside of advertising because you know, you want to be inspired by, you know, art and shows and music uh, and books. And, uh, and that kind of stuff is going to lead you to fresher, more interesting ideas that come from a different perspective. I think that kind of stuff always leads to, to ideas that are better. So what happens when you really love an idea, but the client doesn't? You know, usually I ask a lot of questions, not about like why they don't like the idea, but about like, what is it about the idea that isn't solving the problem? And usually if you can figure out, you know, what part of the problem you're not solving, then you can fix the idea. Have you ever sold through an idea that the client just didn't want, but ended up being a huge success? Oh gosh, I'm sure I have. Well, I mean, actually Honeybees was the, the, the Haagen-Dazs campaign I mentioned earlier is one that they didn't ask for that idea. And I remember at the time they had like no budgets and we came to them with, with this idea. We said, you know, did you realize that, you know, a third of, of all of your ice cream flavors would go away if the honeybees were to go away. And that's kind of an idea that they, you know, bought into and, and we went on from there, but it wasn't something that they had assigned to us. We kind of proactively went to them with that. And you've talked about a lot of your successful campaigns, but can you think of what the most provocative, innovative, outside-the-box campaign you've ever worked on was? Oh my gosh, there's been a lot. I don't know if you ever saw the, the breathalyzer bag that we did for Tostitos. That was pretty, pretty innovative. We built that in-house and I'm really proud of that one. Yeah. You know, it was around the Super Bowl. We knew that it's like the biggest drinking day of the year or one of them anyway, and uh, came up with this idea to put an actual breathalyzer bag in into the, the Tostitos bag or put a breathalyzer in the Tostitos bag. And yeah, pretty innovative and really proud of the fact that we, we built it all in house. Yeah. That's uh, some awesome product innovation there. Another one that we've been playing around with in our, our innovation lab helped us create a deep fake tech inspired idea that we pitched to the Dolly museum in Florida where we actually brought Dali back to life. And that has been another idea that I think is crazy innovative. I think the interesting thing about this is we'd never really done a uh, deep fake before, but we figured it out with our innovation team and we're able to bring him back to life. You could interact with them. You could do a selfie with Dali. He spoke to you as soon as you came into the museum. Every morning he's reading that day's paper. So the experience itself felt really fresh each time you went for a visit. Yeah, that's so cool. Can you think of a moment in your career where you learned something the hard way? Hmm. Gosh, I feel like I always learn everything the hard way. Hmm. I think like the biggest lesson is that no one's going to advocate for you. You have to advocate for yourself if you want to be successful. I had a, a meeting a long time ago with a with a recruiter. Her name's Trish Shortell, and she was trying to get me to take this job in New York. And, and I had, I was kind of, uh, she could tell I wasn't going to, I wasn't biting. I wasn't going to take the job. And she's like, well, clearly you're not going to take this job, but I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to give you some advice. She's like, you know what your problem is? You don't have a brand. 
there are plenty of, <laughs> you know, creatives who are way less talented than you, who are way, who are much more well known than you are. And I really took that to heart. And, uh, and there was so much truth in that. And I left that meeting and I'm still like in touch with her today because it was such a valuable lesson for me to learn. And she was right. Like I had to build that brand myself. I had to, you know, any time that, you know, I wanted to raise, you have to ask for it. You're, you're not going to get things you don't ask for. You like to think that, that you're going to get rewarded for dedication and hard work. And that's just not, not always the case. So you have to really advocate for yourself. And so what is the brand of Margaret? What do you stand for? I think I stand for firsts, craft, humor, and have fun along the way. <laughs> Those are great. And so what would you tell a young Margaret to help make her ascension on the career ladder easier and less stressful? I think the hard truth of that is that nothing worthwhile is easy. So it is going to be stressful and it is going to be really hard. And it's just making sure that you have fun along the way, some fun along the way, and uh, hard work pays off. And similarly, what advice do you have for up-and-coming creatives who want to get a foothold? I guess a better way to phrase it is, how would a creative get your attention? You know, you'd be surprised how many creatives, creative directors will write you back. I have creatives reach out to me on LinkedIn all the time. I always write them back. So if I'm doing it, I know that other, you know, other creatives are doing it too. So it might seem like, oh my gosh, that person is, you know, you know, successful and they would never have time for me, but we actually do write back and, and, you know, give advice. And I would encourage young people to do that. That's so interesting. You know, we actually just interviewed Allie Brown, the president over at Pretty Bird. Oh yeah. I and know Allie. She's great. Yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. And I posed a similar question to her and she said almost the exact same thing. She says oh. that she writes back pretty much every director that reaches out to her. And it's just, it's funny to think how few people actually take that step and just try to reach out to the people that they admire. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't think it would happen, but it does. And so let's get to the current situation. Everything's locked down now from coronavirus. We're all working at home. Agencies, brands have to innovate right now. So tell me about the work your in-house production group E-Level has been putting out during coronavirus. We've put out more than 20 ads in the last couple of weeks, which is, which is incredible. And uh, we're really lucky because we had you know, really robust maker group already in place. So it wasn't something that we kind of threw together when we saw this happening. We've like always had a big production department, which is E-level full of edit bays, sound booths. We can color finish. We have a photography studio. We have an animation group. We have a design group. We have a studio. We have a, we have a social group. So we just have the ability to, you know, shoot, edit, create things in-house. And we've done it for a really long time. I mean, a, a few years ago we made, I don't know if you remember this, but we did a, a commercial for Adobe called Dream On. We created the whole commercial in two weeks before the Academy Awards for Adobe's anniversary and made the whole thing in Photoshop. So we're just very used to, to being scrappy and, and making things quickly and efficiently. So we've been lucky on that front because we have not slowed down during this, 
this time at home. Yeah. Goes back to the whole maker's culture, right? Yeah, it really does. It really does. And what kind of, uh, I don't know if you're tied into this, but do you know what kind of tools they're using now that they can't access the in-house resources and equipment? How are they staying connected to create this content? Well, we did have the foresight to send everyone home with all the equipment that that they needed. So everyone has everything that they have (laughs) um, inside the building now in their own homes. So Hmm. they are connecting seamlessly and yeah, we're just, it's business as usual for us. We're cranking. That's great. And how important do you think in-house production capabilities are to agencies? They're everything, especially right now. I mean, E-Level and our animation design innovation groups have been a godsend during this time. So in this overly media saturated world, what do you think audiences really want from advertising? You know, I think people just want to be entertained. They want to feel something. And um, that changes depending on kind of, you know, the landscape right now. Things are, are a little more serious. But I feel like we're kind of entering phase two where brands can kind of go back to, to being themselves. And, and I think we'll start to, to see some humor come back into to play. And um, but I think in the end, people just want to, they just want to, you know, feel something. And how do you see the agency model evolving over the next 10 years? Well, I think there'll be less travel for sure. I mean, we've all been home now for, for five weeks doing Zoom calls. So I think you're going to really think about, wow, do the six of us need to fly from coast to coast for a one hour meeting when we've been doing it on Zoom for the past five weeks? Probably not. Mm. So less travel. I think we're, you know, for us, we've been making so much in-house that I feel like we'll be doing more and more of that as well. So you see this coronavirus just kind of speeding up the the evolution of how people work together. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, you know, even wonder about being in the office all the time. I think people will work from home more. And the landscape is just changing so much with technology and the evolution of different platforms as well as different models of agencies. How are you positioning Goodby Silverstein to succeed in the next 10 years? One thing I, I love about the place is that we kind of reinvent ourselves every, you know, every 10 years or so. And I think like technology is going to play a much bigger role in the future. I'm like really focused on making sure that our innovation lab is, is growing. I think also the lanes are kind of blurring between entertainment and advertising. And that's really exciting to me too. So, you know, I, I think we'll be doing less ads where you're, you know, selling people so hard and more kind of branded content, which I'm also really interested in. And that kind of rolls right into my next question. What's most exciting to you about the future of advertising? Yeah, I think it's just that, that the blending of lanes between entertainment and, and advertising and just having fun with, with content and not being so restricted by time limits and yeah, doing things that don't feel so much like advertising. And this is the last question I ask everybody, but if you had to start your career all over again at 20 years old, knowing what you know now, what would you do differently? Nothing. It's a great answer. (laughs) (laughs) It worked out okay. (laughs) I think I would just stick to that plan. It worked out just fine. 
That is uh, the best answer I've heard yet. And I love that. (laughs) If you're interested in hearing more insight and inspiration from industry leading creatives, click subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts to become one of our listeners today. You can also join our newsletter for more insider content by going to assemble.tv slash blog and signing up there. And you can find me on all channels at Nate Watkin. And don't forget, if your producing team is in need of a project management solution, try Assemble today to streamline your production workflow. Our listeners receive a 20% discount for their first year by utilizing the promo code OFFSCRIPT, that's one word, at checkout. Learn more at assemble.tv slash project dash management. That's assemble.tv slash project dash management. You have been listening to the Creatives Offscript podcast sponsored by Assemble. 